Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome back, everyone. The RV is on the road to New York to speak with Dr. Rana Bitar. Originally from Syria, Rana is an hematologist, oncologist, author, and poet. Her latest book, entitled The Long Tale of Tears and Smiles, An Oncologist's Journey, has just come out in August. So, Rana, welcome to the RV. Thank you, Lucia. Glad to be here. Rana, you don't always hear about a doctor going on to do a master's in English and creative writing. When, right. did, you, when did you start writing? Well, I started writing a long time ago when I was uh, probably eight or nine. So writing is, is, has been my companion since I was a child. So also being a doctor had been my passion since I was little. So, uh, you know, I, when I came to the state, I was writing in Arabic and translating to English. And at some point, I felt that I don't possess the enough eloquency in my words and my expressions that I was happy with. So I decided to get better. So I went to master's degree to get that part taken care of. Wow, that's nice. And, you know, you and I both have the fact that we are publishing books in our non-native language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. That's not an easy task. It's not. And how did you manage writing in a second language? Well, as I said, initially, I, I would write in Arabic, then I would translate. But as you know, probably that is not adequate. Um, I think you need to start thinking in the language that you're writing with to start writing eloquently. Um, so that's where the degree came to help me. So I could, you know, formulate my thoughts initially in English. So when I, they get on a paper, they'll be more articulate to my satisfaction. And nowadays you only think in English when you're writing? Ah, uh, depends. Depends on the subject. Uh, most of the time, yes, but uh, I still think in Arabic and I write in Arabic. Uh-huh. depending on the subject, <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on what, what triggers the idea and what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And your latest book is called The Long Tale of Tears and Smiles, An Oncologist's Journey. Without giving too much away, can you quickly tell us what it's about? Right. So the book, I started writing the book, um, it's about my patient's stories. Uh, I first wrote my patient stories to make sense of their lives and my involvement in it. Um, and I started writing stories of my patients on loose papers on a way to uh, commuting to the hospitals where I was training. Then I started writing um, on my desktop and my laptop at home. Um, and then I wanted to publish them. Um, and um, I was told by agents and publishers that 
this book does not have an adhesive link to it because it was more of like separate stories. And I was advised to publish them separately, send them to different journals. Uh, but I couldn't do that. Um, to me, these stories were like my kids and I didn't want to send them to different foster care homes or something. So I kept the collection aside. And with time and talking to other people, I realized that really the adhesive was um, the stories of how I met these patients and how and when and how they changed my life. Uh, so the book ends up being a chronicle of my journey from uh, coming from Syria to the U.S. to, to specialize, train and specialize. And um, my patient stories are interweaved into my stories growing up and uh, me growing my family. And what inspired you to share your story? Well, the, what inspired me was my patient stories, the patients I took care of during my training and during my work. You know, those patients showed me showed me that nothing is gone when it's dead. That is an extension to each existence beyond their years on earth. Um, that one life, one life could change and alter many lives around it. And that could be also permanently. Um, only if we open our hearts and listen, that would happen. Uh, so I, I think I was inspired by, by the way they forced me to re-examine my priorities and the way I looked at things and judged things. They helped me put my problems in perspective and understand the relative gravity of my own challenges. Um, you know, I was inspired uh, by them showing me that death is final, but love is permanent. Um, so I did not want to let these lives fall silent and die within the four walls of my exam room. Uh, I wanted to honor them, resuscitate them, keep them alive. Um, I guess I wanted to rebel against the physiological definition of being alive. Um, I wanted to defy finality. Yes, and... I love how you said that your patient's stories reminded you of something from your past or changed your feel on something or helped you understand yourself or other people better. So can you give us an example of what you mean by that? Well, there were many stories in the book how my interaction with patients or with their family and bearing witness to their lives and their problems during their illnesses, uh, their parents, their kids, uh, examples of the hard decisions that they needed to make, the sacrifices, the let go, it all witnessing that affected me deeply. And uh, it, as I said before, made me question the priority, what's important, what's not important. And that changed the way I grew into my life and the lessons I related to my children, uh, learning from my patients and these interactions. Mm, that's not an easy profession. And <laughs> you have one of the hardest jobs out there with the types of illnesses and suffering patients come to you with? Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, it's not an easy job, but it's, 
it's very satisfying because you know it makes every single thing matter uh it's like every minute you put into it means something and i think that kind of make it easier although it's very hard if that makes sense mm-hmm. and how do you navigate all the inevitable emotions that come with your job because i am a physical therapist and i worked in an intensive care unit and sometimes for me it was really hard yeah it is it is hard lucia i think with time you get used to how to handle this and put it in compartments uh i think for me writing helps me tremendously uh it's my respite from all the pressure um and i think what helps also is making sense of the the situation you you encounter in a positive way turning it into a positive lesson somehow although the the ends that you witness might not be what you want to see but the lesson you learn from it you could turn it to a, a ripple if you if you will in your life like certain things i saw or or for situations that were hurtful i got the positive out of it the Uh, the the family connections or or the love or the care and that i transfer to my kids to you know how i how i gave them lessons about life and what's important so i mean it is hard it's always hard and it's a it's a pressure but it is very satisfying because at the end you get meaningful positive results out of it yeah that's true Yeah and when you see the positive outcomes it must be very rewarding it is indeed it's the only thing probably that keeps you going you know that that feeling as much as you go throughout the day facing all these emotional situations um what you get back from knowing that you did something you you give comfort to some family member that's that's the rewarding feeling that you you stick to and that's what keeps you going mm-hmm. and you mentioned how at one of your family gatherings one of your nieces asked you what it was like to care for cancer patients mm-hmm. it's complicated to explain to the, this to a child how did you run it answered her because i had all these stories that i've written on loose papers i had them in my drawer so the way i answered her i got up and got one of the stories or i think two of them and i read to her because as you said it's complicated to explain it's there's no words to explain you just have to to present the situation because this is how it's like with all its complexity uh so this is how i explained it and uh, actually it was the trigger of of wanting to put more stories uh, because i saw what effect it had on in the family uh, how they um, how the realization of of something that you don't usually see we don't you don't usually talk about but you know that it does exist in 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 this way uh and it is real uh, i think that the feeling the feedback i got from the reactions is what pushed me to write more i thought that was important that we understand we give voice to people suffering struggles perseverance we give them voice so if you hear it you kind of 
understand what is it like to face these difficulties and how can you develop resistance and and, and perseverance in encountering such difficulties. And I, as I said before, that gives you new, fresh perspective on your problems, how you look at them, how grave they are in comparison with other people, people's problems. Yeah. And I think kids are pretty intuitive and can sense when things are amiss at home. Right. Yeah, we need to explain to them have you ever thought about writing books for kids oh I did I did uh yeah I I because when my kids were little everything I made into a story anything I wanted to get through I would make Mm -hmm. into a story uh like we would go to a place and and I would to remind them of the place name uh, the city or something. I make up story about the city and how, why did they name it this way? And it was in the form of, of writing kids' stories. So I thought that maybe I, I can write kids' story, but I didn't get to it. I think with time, you lose your innocence. <laughs> I mean, I think writing for kids is actually very difficult. And, uh, you just need to be in that spirit to, to feel a child again in you to be able to talk to them with an honest voice. Actually, I am a kid's author, and for me, it's way easier to write for kids. Oh, really? It's a lot of responsibility, too, to make sure that you're getting, because kids learn from all these things, and, you know, you could you could give them a lesson that they might remember when they're 20, so it's it's a lot of responsibility but I'm sure it's a lot of fun too it's a lot of responsibility and Rana Mm -hmm. are you working on anything currently that you would like to share with us yeah I uh, just finished uh, translating a poetry book of a Syrian poet uh, Nizar Kabbani I don't know if you ever heard of him and um, it's uh, actually been considered for publications uh, I'm working on a novella, it's a magic realism called God Only Forgives the Mighty. Uh, and I'm also uh, putting a collection of uh, poems together with the title of Seven Years of Rain, Seven Years of Drought. You are doing so much. And are you working full time, Rana? Yeah, I work full time. Yes. Yeah, I do work full time. Wow, and you still do a lot of things. This is so inspiring. As I said, that writing kind of helps. It, it keeps me going. You know, I mean, mm. that's how I manage to go through my difficult day. Um, you know, writing is the respite for, for, my, pre- for my stress. But uh, also working inspires my writing. You know, the things I see during the day. Um, just makes writing easier, if you will, because they're all in my head. I just put them, need to put them on a paper. It's a kind of escape. Right. It's kind of escape. It's kind of more of solving the questions you have in your mind when you face a, a situation where you see the difficulties, difficult situation. It's, you know, you, you write it to solve it, kind of. And solving it helps you tackle another problem for me. Uh, when you see something in the office and, and a, a particular situations that is difficult and complicated, 
there's always this, you know, fundamental question, uh, you know, dealing with life and death. When I write about it, I kind of solve it for myself. I solve this, you know, existential uh, conflict. And that helps me tackle another problem. So for me, they work together. They complement each other. Rana, is there a message you would like to leave for our listeners today? I want to say life is full of people who face the ultimate challenge of life and death. And we need to know about them so we can look at our lives in a new perspective and determine what's important, what's not important, that we need to open our heart to the suffering of other people, whether from illness or war or anything like that. Because the only way we can de defeat loneliness uh, and make living worthwhile is opening our hearts to other people and their problems and try to be in their shoes. You know, death is final, but uh, what we leave with is, is love because that's what's permanent. Yeah, and compassion. Yeah, we need... Absolutely. And also when you, when you witness their resilience, actually that inspires your own life. When you see how resilient they are in facing what they're facing, You look back and say, okay, so my problems are not big deal. I could deal with them in a different way. So we learn resilience and perseverance from them. And when we learn, we could help them better because you, you start getting out of your own self-center and, and reach better, reach better inside them and, and help them through their problems. So it goes around. Rana, I'm so happy to be talking with you. You are not just an excellent doctor, but you are a beautiful person. And this makes a difference in our world. Oh, thank you, Lucia. I'm happy to be here today. So Rana, where can our listeners connect with you online? And of course, get your books. They could connect with me on my website that's ranabitar.com r-a-n-a-b-i-t-a-r.com they can get my book from amazon.com any of the any of the major bookstores would carry my book they could find me on twitter at ranabitar uh, books and facebook ranabitar books okay and i already added you to my twitter <laughs> Ah, okay. <laughs> so, Rana, thank you very, very much for your time. And I really appreciate that you were here today with us. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Lucia. Of course. And if one day I go to New York, we can eat Syrian food together. Yes. Okay? Yes. No question. There are few restaurants, but the best is made here at home. <laughs> ah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.